This is the Huddle Huddle. It's not just, this is what we do. Every Thursday from noon to 2, presented by Bigford Ford. Let's go! The Huddle. Welcome into the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Eves, and Stacey Ross, getting you guys ready for the Seahawks' upcoming game against the New York Giants. We're going to take an opponent preview. Uh, coming up here at 1230. Before we do that, though, let's take a look back at Monday's win over Philadelphia. Dave, I know that the Philly offense is not great, but how do you not still give credit where it's due to the Seahawks defense for this one? You have to. I mean, look, we're going to talk about that on our show today. You know, it's just not a team that's going to blow anybody out. I mean, the biggest blowout was against the Niners, right? And so that you know that's just that's just kind of how it is. I mean, look, you, you take away the last second, you know, stab in the end zone and the hail mary and everything, then you know, then it's a little bit different. But you can't take those things away. So I, I just look look for the things that they're fixing defensively that are that are getting better. And and then and the the thing I heard you say on the way in, Stacy, was that you're okay with Jamal Adams, the strong safety not being the best cover guy. Yeah. You know who that was? That was Cam Chancellor. Early on, Cam Chancellor was not a great cover guy. And then they paid him that, you know, big deal. And he became fantastic, a really good cover guy. But, you know, and I just think it's really funny that right now, you know, we heard the whole Mr. Joe thing and everything, that now that's a chip on his shoulder. And I've been saying this for the last few weeks just to call myself out that I'll bet you he gets a pick this week. Because once you put that on somebody like that, and you know that he wants them, that they have a, a guy like that who is, you know, such a competitor mm-hmm. that he's going to go out and do it. So, you know, I, the way he, I told this story yesterday, uh, Jake, um, on our show that we have a spotter, Chris Taylor, who's a fantastic guy. And, you know, I was talking about one of the plays where I'm like, well, this might be something that somebody would say that his, you know, Jamal Adams coverage skills aren't great or whatever. And but I don't know. And he comes and puts a card in front of me. It was just perfect timing. Jamal Adams, nine tackles, two tackles for loss, quarterback hit quarterback right. sack. Right. I'm like, okay. I, I think we're getting a little bit nitpicky right. here with Would you trade with Jamal those for Adams. three passes defended? Yeah. No. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, he's just making plays all over the field, but I thought it was a great point because, look, he'll get there. Does he have the skill to cover people? Yes. I mean, he they can't block him. He doesn't stay blocked, and he almost takes it as a personal affront to him if somebody tries to block him. And then, you know, he's just a great pass rusher. He gets to a lot of things that other guys don't. So, yeah, I thought that was a, an interesting observation because it really parallels what, you know, uh, Cam Cam Chancellor was like in the very beginning. So, and, and Cam was great after they paid him. I just remember in 2000, uh, when, whenever that was, going into the 13 season maybe, and I was thinking, you know, I'm not so sure if he has the requisite cover skills to be a, a strong safety. But also, you know, look, the Seahawks don't, play a ton of cover two where he's deep it's more that he's in underneath zones or man-to-man coverage uh, and he's more playing up in the box like like a linebacker so you know I, I think first of all your skills don't need to be as good anyway yeah. uh, if you're there but you know he can do it he can he can get that done so anyway yeah I, I thought yeah. I, I thought Jake the you know it was a good performance I just think it's it's one of those things that you're not going to see the Seahawks you know even the Jets it might be I mean, I'm hoping it's a double digit win but you know they they may beat them 24-21 but it's still a win 
it, it is still a win, and, and you're you're looking for certain things that you're improving on. And, and one of the things that I wanted to ask you, and it's partly related to Jamal Adams as well, is the idea that, hey, you played the Eagles. There were still plays where you had wide-open guys or leaving wide-open guys, and Carson Wentz just didn't hit it. Are there things that you're looking at at this defense when you're watching the film or, or watching things overall and saying that, hey, they're getting better in certain areas, but yeah. there's still a lot of room to improve, and, and Jamal Adams being a part of that, I think he gets a lot of criticism because he was they gave up two first-round picks and they think he should be you know the perfect you know total created player, but th- there's a lot to work through there. Yeah, well, and Pete talked about that, that they're still kind of – you know, figuring out how to work with with him and Jordan Brooks and and Dunlap, and still trying to work them in. But the things that that I see, Jake, that that have bothered me about the defense, one is just very simple: the deep crosser, the deep crosser. And you saw Bobby; I think that was he was man to man on that tight end Goddard when he tipped that pass away. You know, thirty thirty five yards downfield. We've seen Jordan Brooks do that, pick up the deep yep. crosser a couple of times. By the way, one in the Arizona game. And then another one, and he was like 35 yards downfield on that play. And another one, uh, Moyer pointed this out, that he caused a sack by Jamal Adams by picking up the deep crosser because Jared Goff was looking at him and getting ready to throw, and then he had to pull the ball down. And that allowed Jamal Adams to get there. So, you know, and we're going to talk about that a little bit on our show, but Jordan Brooks, you know, he he was picked before Patrick Queen. And early on, Patrick Queen with the Ravens, you know, I think he was AFC Player of the Week. He scored a touchdown, fumble recovery, all that stuff. But Jordan Brooks is doing things that, you know, you the coaches know and see and go, wow, this is really good what he's doing. Like a comedian's comedian. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> you know, someone where Hold like, on, let me wrap my mind around that. <laughs> it's where the average uh, the average okay. man may not be really picking up on it yet, but a former linebacker yeah. uh, or a former uh, gotcha. quarterback in Jay Keeps, guys that look for progress are like, oh, that's good. That's a good step. When you interview Jordan Brooks, you should tell him that, that you're a comedian's comedian. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure he'll get that. But uh, <laughs> no, you're right. Dave, I mean, look, Dave. if you if you appreciate that kind of stuff and, and look at those kinds of things, and those are the things, the little things that uh, I'm seeing anyway that are encouraging to me. It's it's not that it was a close game. Yeah, I mean, you would love it if they held him to 150 yards and picked off you know, Carson Wentz. And, and, you know, that's one thing. The takeaways have kind of dried up over the last few weeks, so hopefully they can get that going again because that's where you really start blowing teams out. You know, you look in those years in 2012, 13, 14, mm-hmm. the turnover ratio was like, well, it was plus 20 in 2013. That's how you blow teams out mm-hmm. is with the takeaways. Um, I just want to take one last Well, we got about two more minutes here. Uh, the story of the day for me, for I know both of you, was the defense. But let's take a look at the offensive side of the ball. Russell Wilson, 22 of 31, 230 with a touchdown. Uh, his, I think, second or third fewest yards uh, and second fewest touchdown totals. He had a zero touchdown game. But uh, it wasn't necessarily a bad day from the offense. I mean, they weren't great on third down. Um, you know, they, they didn't, uh, they at times looked anemic. You also had a couple plays that were taken back that that could have easily been. I mean, there was the Carlos Hyde touchdown called back from a holding call, DK Metcalf drop in the end zone. So you had moments there where it could have been a different day for the offense. Um, But I left this game, Dave and Jake, feeling not worried at all about that. Here's what I liked. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like the fourth down attempt down on the two-yard line. And I guess I'm kind of that way where I don't like things that go laterally uh, when it's short yardage. 
I, I would much yes. rather see load up Fair. and put, you know, um, put a fullback in there or put an offensive lineman back at fullback and go straight ahead. But So you're talking about the little play to more right now? Yeah, the little flip to him. And Ethan Posick just got – I mean, he pract- he made the tackle. He got blown off the, the ball so badly. So it, what I like what they did there is – and I did a football 101 thing on this where in, in uh, the second quarter – on a second and 16 play, because those guys were just pinning their ears back and just flying upfield, they ran a little trap play on him. So, and that's where you don't even have to block the defensive ends. They didn't block the backside defensive end. The tackle was able to go right up to the linebacker, and then you know they just kind of shoved the other one, and they trapped the three technique guy and just had a that little inside you know quick hitting running play that you call. And they called the same play last year. Um, when they were out there in week 12 on a first and 20. So same situation. The defense is thinking this is a pass. It's first and 20, and they go flying upfield, and you hit a little inside trap, and then you get a couple blocks downfield, and like Carson did the other night, and all of a sudden you got a touchdown. And last year it was a 58-yard touchdown from Rashad Penny. So, you know, I, I, I liked what they did. And, you know, we talk about creative run calls and things like that. I, I love the trap. And it's a great play. If you remember in the NFC Championship game, there was a third and eight that the Niners had, um, and Green Bay was just flying upfield. Same thing. They didn't even have to block the defensive end. Just a little quick hitter up inside ended up being a touchdown by Mostert. So, and he ran for 200 yards that day. So that that's the kind of thing I thought was encouraging as far as the run game goes. They didn't have huge numbers there, but you know you can start to see how Carson and Hyde once they they really get going. And I think good play calling from from Schottenheimer that, uh, you know, that there's some, some promise there. Uh, there are a couple injury updates. We got an injury update on who right now feels like the most important player on your D-line. It's debatable, but I would say so. We'll ask Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle about that next. This is The Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back in to the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us right now is Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. John, how are you? I am doing great. Stacey, thanks for asking. How are you guys? Good, good. I'm going to go ahead and get started with some injury updates. It's it's the place I always have to start because i got to know what this team is looking like heading into their upcoming game against the Giants. John, maybe the best news they could have had this week was that Carlos Dunlap's injury uh, is is not as serious as we all might have feared it would be. What has his impact been like for this pass rush? I mean, it's been huge. Obviously, I mean, he's got four sacks in four games, which by itself is helpful, but it's what he's doing for the rest of that line. I mean, we've seen it over the years. When you have a really good edge rusher, it affects the whole offensive line, and all of a sudden we're seeing guys like Jaron Reed and Puna Ford looking that much better, and just, you know, Rasheem Green got a sack last week, and just all these different guys are – contributing to the mix and it's just it, it makes a difference across the board so yeah to your point doesn't sound serious Pete Carroll said they're not sure yet what it means for Sunday so it'll be something we got to monitor throughout the week but the good news is it doesn't sound like any, it's anything long term even if it does affect them this week yeah Rasheem Green split a double team too I was I was really yeah, happy he did went right just powered right through those guys yeah and I know it was a you know makeshift offensive line but still it was an unbelievable move hey John talk about Jamal Adams I mean there is nobody like him in the NFL, and I, I and people trying to compare maybe to Earl Thomas, but I mean, I was just talking earlier that there's this criticism of his coverage, which I don't really get. But 
I mean, he doesn't stay blocked. He plays like a linebacker. He can fly all over the field. What kind of interaction have you had with him? Because when Pete says juice, that's what I think of, man. That guy has, he just brings it every day. Oh, for sure. And I mean, unfortunately, the interaction has been minimal because with COVID, we're not really interacting with players at all. But you see it. I mean, it comes through, obviously, just watching him on the field and his press conferences, just all his interactions on the sideline. The guy brings so much energy. And you're right. He's such a unique player. And he may not be the best coverage safety in the NFL. But, A, I think, you know, the struggles people want to talk about are blown out of proportion. And, B, even if that's not a strong suit, if you're getting the guy to play safety who also gives you double-digit sacks, which he's on pace for, despite missing four games, and he's still making a bunch of tackles. We saw you go back and watch the first two run plays of the game. He was in the backfield affecting the play. So he does so much beyond the traditional safety stuff. He's just such a fun player to watch, and he makes the defense better. John, one of the interesting remarks that Pete had from yesterday's press conference was was about Quentin Dunbar. I I just thought because of the where he was at uh, after the Buffalo Bills game that maybe it would take a little bit longer for him to get back. Pete Carroll saying that he's got a great chance to return uh, this next week. Where do you see that fitting? Because Trey Flowers has really played well. You got DJ Reed that they really like. I mean, is Quentin Dunbar one of those guys that comes back and he's he's a for sure starter or do you think there's a little bit of uh hey, you got to work your way back in? I think he's going to have to earn it. I mean, we'll have to see what happens with Trey Flowers. Pete Carroll did mention yesterday there's a hamstring injury and um if that's an issue beyond this week, then that might make the decision easier, but if Flowers is healthy when Dunbar gets back next week or whenever that is, that's going to be a tough decision because Trey Flowers has been playing really well the last few weeks. I mean, that's been one of the really big changes we've seen in this. You know, the whole defense has improved, and one of the guys who's improved right along with it is Flowers. He's, he's playing really good football these last probably three, four weeks. John, I'm jumping pretty far ahead with this one, but as we close in in this kind of final stretch of games, when I'm looking at the Rams' schedule and Seattle's schedule, uh, I feel fairly confident the Seahawks can can finish this one out with the NFC West title. Where's your confidence level that the Seahawks take the West this year? I mean, to your point, it's it's fairly high because first off, I think they're a really good team and they're going to keep winning games, but you can look at the schedule and see that, you know, they've got the Rams at home, which could be a huge game and they've got games no games easy in the NFL. We've seen it over and over. Even the the supposedly bad teams can be good on any given day and have a lot of talent. So I'm not just going to assume they roll through these next three games, but really they're games that you should win. And if you do that, you're you're already in the driver's seat right now, just record-wise, and you can maybe add to that lead if one of your division opponents drops a game or two. But at the very least, if you can go into that game against the Rams with a one-game lead, you set yourself up pretty nicely to try to take control in Week 16 if that's the case. John, we were talking a little bit about Jordan Brooks, and they – the Seahawks took him before Patrick Queen. So, you know, I guess those two guys will be kind of compared along the way. And Queen had some early success, but I talked about how he's doing a lot of things that, you know, that aren't obvious that are really good in this defense. And, and a lot of it has to do in zone coverage, which is surprising me because he didn't play much in college. But from what Pete has uh, talked about Jordan Brooks, it, it just seems like he has been, you know, because we've had first-rounders that people are like, eh, you know, maybe he's not playing. And maybe Jordan Brooks doesn't have first-round numbers, but the way he's playing to me and, and whatever you're hearing from Pete, I, to me he's definitely worth that pick. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've loved what they've gotten out, 
out of him so far. And to your point, he he just keeps getting better. And you're right, the coverage was something I remember that was kind of the the concern or the knock on him coming out was everything he did was so near the line of scrimmage, right. and he was making a ton of tackles for loss, but you just didn't see him play a lot of coverage. But the people who knew him said, yeah, he didn't get asked to do it a lot, but he can do it. And we've seen it. He had a, a really nice pass breakup in this past game, and he's he looked really good, and just the speed is so obvious. He just flies around out there. So they're really excited about him, I think, for good reason. I think he's you know he's going to be a big part of this team the rest of the season, but he's also just got a very bright future down the road. John, real quick, uh, Chris Carson getting back, it was great to see him. He's such uh, a fun, dynamic running back. His health is so important to this team. You could see that they were really trying to take care of him. Do you think that's something you see over the next couple of weeks, or do you see his workload uh, getting bigger and bigger? I think you'd see it increase as they go along. I mean, they, they really like Carlos Hyde as well, so it probably makes it easier for them to feel like they can ease Chris Carson back in. Uh, kind of put him on a pitch count, if you will. I, I got to think we're going to see that usage go up, though, because, it is, I mean, don't get me wrong, Carlos Hyde's a really good player, and he played really well a couple weeks ago in that win. But, I, you know, Chris Carson's just at a different level, kind of difference maker, big play threat. So I, I got to think that as we go forward, as long as there's no setbacks, that he starts ramping up and being, you know, the, the more higher used back over the next few weeks. Last question here for us, John. When you're looking ahead to this Giants game, I'm sure you've had plenty of time to preview. What's been the biggest opportunity you can see for Seattle, and what's the biggest challenge? You know, I think the biggest challenge is we just talked about Chris Carson in the running game. If they want to keep that running game going, this is, you know, for all those Giants' struggles, their defense overall has been really good, and their run defense is really good. So I think that's kind of where you, you start. I think, obviously, the opportunity is going to be especially if there's a backup quarterback. But even if there's not, we've seen the Seahawks pass rush thrive of late. And there's, you know, the Giants line has kind of been up and down. They've had some really good play, but they've also struggled at times. And if you can get that pass rush going again and, and you know, maybe you're facing backup quarterback where you can affect him even more, I, I think that the pass rush could, again, be a big part of their success. He is Seattle Seahawks reporter John Boyle. You can follow him on Twitter at John P. Boyle and go read his work at Seahawks.com. You can also hear him every Thursday right here on The Huddle. Thanks, John. Thank you, guys. Good talking to you. All right. We're going to take a look ahead, you guys. Take a step across enemy lines all the way on the other side of the country with ESPN Giants reporter Jordan Renan. That's next. This is The Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford, every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We're taking you guys across enemy lines. We do this every single uh, time on The Huddle at 1230. It's Jordan Renan, ESPN Giants reporter. Jordan, how are you? Good. How's everyone doing this afternoon? Good, good. We appreciate you taking the time today. Um, now, I first things first, what's the confidence level uh, of who starts at quarterback this week? That feels like the big conversation, uh, at least locally here, uh, about whether or not they're, they're going to be uh, you know, facing either guy. So who do you think gets the start? Yeah, I mean, coming into today, I, would, I felt very confident that you know, Colt McCoy was going to end up starting and Daniel Jones wasn't. We hadn't seen him on the practice field yesterday. Uh, after the way he left the game and uh, the concern that some of the people in the organization had with his, his, his hamstring and playing it safe with it, uh, you would think that he wouldn't be ready. But look, we saw him out there today. Now, granted, he didn't. I, I don't. I think he's going to be listed as a did not practice. But we saw him working on the side, and he seemed to be moving pretty well. So 
I will give him a – I'm not going to close the door on saying he's not going to play. I still lean towards Colt McCoy, but I think now I'm a little more optimistic for sure that Daniel Jones might play on Sunday in Seattle. Hey, Jordan, so if no Daniel Jones, then, you know, and no uh, Saquon Barkley, tell us about some of these other guys, uh, you know, Wayne Gallman or, you know, Darius Slayton, just a lot of not necessarily household names, but who are some of the guys that are sort of the heroes on this team right now? Yeah, I think when you talk about the Giants and without Saquon, it was really the case from the start, as you say, oh, yeah. who's the guy that opposing defensive coordinators, you know, are going to be like, i got to stop this guy, keep him up at night. And the real answer is they really don't have that guy, right? Mm-hmm. So their running game, which was completely impotent the first few weeks of the season, has finally found its way. And Wayne Gallman is the guy. You know, we're talking about a guy who's been on the roster. This is his fourth year. But, I mean, he's basically been buried three or four times. But when he runs, he runs hard. And he seems to uh, pick up – I mean, he's like one of those guys – and I think you guys can relate to this from, from watching the Seahawks a bunch over the past few years. He's one of those guys. You give him more, the more work you seem to give him, the better he seems to get. Now he's not built like a, a Marshawn Lynch or, you know, the, the kind of power back that they like in Seattle. He's more of a tall or leaner guy, yeah. but he runs hard. And uh, you know, he's real five straight games with a touchdown. So he got, I mean, he got twenty five carries this past week. He is their guy. So you, you stop Wayne Gallman, and this offense is going to have problems because the reality is that even with their, you know, Daniel Jones even with Wayne Gallman playing well, this isn't an offense that's going to score a lot of points. I mean, they scored the third fewest points, I think, still in the NFL at this point. Um, and even, like, last week in Cincinnati, they had one of their biggest yards output of the season. They, they put up 19 points against the Bengals. So this yeah. team is not going to put up a lot of points. Their goal is to control the tempo, run the football, hit some play action off that. And, uh, you know, Evan Ingram is the guy they've been pounding the ball to recently. I believe he has nine targets in three of his last four games, at least nine targets. So they're going to get the ball to him plenty. And, uh, you know, Sterling Shepard uh, and Golden Tate are kind of their uh, possession-type guys. And then Darius Slayton is the guy that they try to hit some big plays. But Darius Slayton's also dealing with some injuries. So uh, shoulder slash ankle, he's been banged up the last couple weeks. Coming up a zero-catch performance. So uh, in, in two of the last three games, he has one catch or fewer. So Darius Slayton definitely banged up. You get a little break there with this Giants offense in regards to, okay, who are their skilled position players going to be on Sunday? Jordan, I've actually been really impressed watching the Giants on film defensively. Um, they're, they're a group mm-hmm. that plays hard. Uh, they've got a couple nice players, but they did take a big blow injury-wise with losing you know, Kyler Fackrell, who was a guy who kind of just fell off the face of the map last year in Green Bay. Uh, New York yeah. acquires him, and he has a resurgence. How big of a loss is that, and, and uh, how is this defense played overall? Yeah, but the defense has been very good. I mean, you have to like what they've done. Uh, they certainly have their weak spots that you'd like to attack. I mean, corners, cornerback two spot, you could attack that all day. The slot, uh, they're playing a rookie, Darnay Holmes. He's had his struggles up and down. Uh, but you're right. That Kyler Fackrell loss is going to be big because this Giants team, they haven't, they don't have that big edge rusher, right? Uh, they really don't have any edge rusher right now. They're not, because it's not just that they lost Fackrell now. They already have Lorenzo Carter, who was a starter. He's on injured reserve. O'Shane Zimenez, he was the other starter to start the season. 
He's on injury reserve. Marcus Golden, who they had. You guys know Marcus Golden because you played against him 100 times over the years <laughs> with Arizona. They traded mm-hmm. him midseason. So now, really, their top four outside linebackers to start the season are not on the roster, on the active roster for this week's game. So the Giants are going to have a lot of trouble creating any sort of pressure from that outside linebacker spot. So what do they do? And I'm sure you saw this on tape. This team uses so many looks, different looks. Uh, they're yeah. going to bring a lot of different looks. And, in, and, and I don't want to use the word blitz necessarily because they're going to bring four guys. It just might not be the traditional four guys. You might see out of those four guys, one of them being a safety and one of them being a cornerback. Or, or so, you know, that's, that's sort of how they're able to confuse opposing defenses and create enough of the illusion that something's going on that really isn't that they're able to disrupt some of these opposing offenses because they can't just do it. Say, okay, we have the, we have the pass rushers. We have the front four talents just to go in there and kick the heck out of your offensive line. I know records can be misleading, especially looking at the NFC East struggling, but are the giants better than theirs, their record? Uh, I think so because the giants team that I think if you played the giants in week, let's say three or four, and you play the Giants now, what are we, in week uh, 13? Mm-hmm. We're in week 13. Yeah. You, this is a very different team. They're playing much better than they were. Now, granted, it, the Daniel Jones thing is going to be a big factor as well, whether he plays or not. But the Giants as a whole are a better team. They, you know, they, Their offensive line, if you think about it, they're starting a at right tackle is, is a, a guy who's a veteran swing tackle. At left tackle, they have a, a rookie. At center... They have a former tackle who had never played center in his life in a game. So you're talking about a very young offensive line, a not great, not dominant, and then they get thrown in there early in the season, and there's no preseason. So his, basically his preseason, your starting center, who had never played the position before, he's learning on the fly in the middle of the game. So things like that, the Giants are definitely they're, – they're playing better – then a four and seven team. They really should have a couple more wins too. They should have beaten the, the Brady and the Bucks. They should have won the first matchup with the Eagles. Those are two games they absolutely blew. So they could easily be a six and five team right now. Hey Jordan, just real quick, we've got to get to break here. But uh, tell us about Joe Judge. Uh, he's been with um, you know Nick Saban with uh, Alabama, won a couple of national championships there, some Super Bowl championships with Belichick. Is is he a lot like those guys? What's his personality? Yeah, I mean, Joe Judge is one of these no-nonsense guys. His attention to detail is really, really impressive. I mean, you speak to him. He's the kind of guy, when you speak to him, like, you leave that room and you, you like, believe everything that guy just told you. You know, like, he has that ability in him. Uh, so he coaches hard, and that's sort of the program he's building here, is they're going to coach you hard. I mean, you, if you watch them during training camp, I've never seen anybody with as high an expletive Per sentence rate as Joe Judge and his coaching staff. I mean, they get on players. They don't care who you are. You saw Saquon Barkley running laps. You saw them getting on Daniel Jones. You name it, they're all over you. That's what that, that's what he's going to bring to the table. But I've gotten to know him a little bit, and you see a lot of the Bill Belichick, you know, tree fail. Right. The mm-hmm. thing that I like about Joe Judge, I think, gives him an opportunity to succeed, is he might get down a player's throat call him out in team meetings based on the film, what he showed on the board. 
then he's able to put his arm around you afterwards and have a human conversation. And that human element in that ability to relate to players, I think, is what gives him a real chance to be a successful head coach. And, and you've seen it early on here. The Giants were 0-5. They're sitting right now 4-7, and trending in the right direction and in first place. Got to give him a lot of credit for that. That's a good point. He is Jordan Renan joining us here for a Giants preview. Thanks so much, Jordan. We appreciate you taking the time. You got it, everyone. Enjoy the game Sunday. All right. Again, you guys can read his work on ESPN.com. A bit of breaking news here. This from uh, Fox NFL Sunday's Jay Glazer. NFL reinstating Josh Gordon from suspension, eligible to return for the last two games. So this will not be immediate, but eligible for the final two games of the season. We'll talk about this next with Ray Roberts. This is The Huddle, presented by Pickford Ford, every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us right now, Ray Roberts. Now, normally we go in the trenches with Ray, host of the Seahawks pre- and post-game show. Ray, by the way, how are you? I'm doing good, but I didn't get my uh, I didn't get my intro music today. Y'all gave me the standard like news station. Ah, Curtis. Um, Curtis. Wow, throwing me under the bus. Yeah, I am. <laughs> right away. I wasted no time. None at all. Curtis, Dave, Jake, what did you that, guys do? That's that's because that's because uh Ray, Stacy doesn't want any of that action. She's afraid. So she's I gonna always, deflect it. Always. She's gonna deflect the Ray's anger very... on somebody else. She wants none of that. No. None of anyone a former offensive lineman. I am just gonna be on your good side no matter what. Now I do want to talk about Cedric. Great, oh, sorry, Ray? I said, get that straight, Curtis. <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll work on it. I do want to talk about Cedric Abuehi's, uh play, Ray. That's something I'm very interested in hearing about from you. But first, we got some breaking news right before the break, so I want to just give you a chance to react with us. Uh, it's something I'm sure you'll be talking about on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show this weekend, uh, which is that the NFL has reportedly reinstated Josh Gordon. This isn't immediate. It'll happen for the final two games. But, I mean, what's your first reaction to that news? You know, my, my first reaction is, uh, you know, I'm happy that, you know, Josh is, is going to get another opportunity and, uh, you know, that he's with the Seahawks. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I grew up in a family uh, full of addicts. And uh, I ran um, a alcohol and drug rehab facility for three years in Virginia. And uh, I know that uh, this addiction thing is a real it's a real thing, and if you don't have the people in place to um, to know what to see and what to look for and, and how, to, how to handle things, uh, it can get away from you uh, really easily. So I just hope that um, in this process that the Seahawks and Josh's people um, have um, the right professional people uh, mm-hmm. around him uh, that can that can hold them accountable. That can see the little things that tend to show when people are are relapsing uh, and and those types of things. You know, I know we tend to think sometimes that um, hey, if we put them in the locker room and we have these leaders like Bobby Wagner and 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 Russell Wilson and all this stuff, that that's going to carry the day. But those dudes aren't experts in addiction, and so um, and so they, you can't rely on them to be the ones that are going to be able to manage him in this so uh i hope that uh that all those things are in place uh for josh because that is bigger than him being able to play football again so honestly like the football part of it to me is irrelevant uh Mm -hmm. but his um his health and well-being 
is more important to me than that. That's a really important point. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And and he is a fantastic football player too. And that um, I think the catch he had against Carolina was maybe one of the best catches I've I've ever seen in person. Just catching the back half of that ball. So and you know it seems like he loves it. So hopefully you know everything's able to to work out there. So no good way to transition out of that, Ray. But I'll ask anyway. What how, what did you see from the offensive line? And and first of all. Was it the offensive line, or was it that that front seven was really good? I, I thought Philadelphia – I mean, and every team's going to be like this down this stretch. You're going to find out, wow, they were actually a lot better than we thought. What did you think of uh, the way they handled that the defensive line against Philadelphia? Yeah, well, well first of all, Dave, you know, uh, last week we talked about, uh, you, know, we, you know, myself and um, Jake used the word connectedness. Uh-huh. Uh, but before mm-hmm. we used that word, we used – the word marrying <laughs> the the run game to the passing game, and it looks like they're already in marriage counseling um, uh, <laughs> because it seems, it seems as if they came out again and wasn't real sure what they're trying to get accomplished in the run game, and I think that impacted then how the rest of the the game went. I think obviously uh, Philadelphia's uh, front four. I mean, they're one of the only teams in the NFL that can just rush with the front four and get a lot of pressure, um, but in my experience in the NFL, teams that like to rush the quarterback don't usually like it when it gets noisy and, and physical and, and, and you, you make it like a real physical game in, a run, in the run game because they want to just pin their ears back and rush the quarterback. And I don't know that the Seahawks ever gave the offensive line a chance to do that. Uh, I think the break off, the, the time they had off, they tinkered with the running game too much and tried to get too cute with it. There was times when they were – trying to run they showed the counter to the left but then tossed the ball to the right they did a counter sweep looking kind of a thing they were trying to do and it just kind of was just running sideways with a with a defensive front that's pretty fast and uh, i thought they should have run more downhill at the at that uh at that line to kind of take off some of the steam of them rushing the quarterback having said that with the game plan they had uh it's a really good front i mean they really got after the uh uh the guys in the run game, uh, I think we, we gave them opportunities to do that, and so it didn't take some of the steam off of their pass rush. And then, and then our guy Cedric, um, you know, he battled as best he could, uh, but he just doesn't – he didn't have the, the, the stand power that he needed to play against uh, the guys that he was playing against over there. He made the, co- the corner too soft a few times, and Russell had to maybe step up or throw the ball before he wanted to throw it. Um, and so he just – and then in the run game – uh, the, the one thing that kills uh, the running attack is if you get defensive linemen that are penetrating the line of scrimmage uh, before the before the running back can even uh, get the ball. And a lot, a couple different times, uh, his defender uh, kind of came inside uh, on to his inside shoulder and got into the backfield to disrupt the run game. So I think he did the best he could. He got in there, he battled, he he, he did all he could. Uh, but but it was very noticeable to me that Mission Shell uh, was a big miss. Well, this this past week, yeah, and, and that's a that's a very very great point there, Ray. And, and you know, coming back to that conversation of you know connectivity between the pass and the run, and and really the plan itself, you know, Ray. Some of the things I totally agree with you. Too much side to side, you know, get downhill, um, allow your offensive line to get get their pads and work their double teams um, going forward. One of the things that I also was curious to ask you about is. 
Some of the successful plays that we saw were quick hitters. And what I mean by quick hitters, just quick trap plays, you know, also spreading them out a little bit. Um, And sometimes versus certain teams, you want to spread them out to run the ball or you want to get heavy and get nasty and, and get downhill. To me, the Eagles seemed like they were one of those teams that you wanted to spread out and take some of that aggressiveness away. Um, that, that to me is really the conflict that I feel sometimes between Pete Carroll wanting to get back to that old school, you know, physical balance of type of football versus the current group that they have. And I'm just kind of wrestling with that idea, Ray. What What's your thoughts with that? Yeah, so there, it's interesting that you said that because you know as as quarterback and, you know, coaching in this new style of offense and the way people run an offense, you're always looking at the box, whether it's a good box or a bad box. So it's either a good box mm-hmm. to run in the ball or it's a bad box you throw the ball. And so there were several times where just I was looking at this box and the, the defensive line is really spread out. There are just some natural gaps there. There's opportunities for the guards to get up on the to the second level, but then they'd run the ball sideline to sideline. And then, and then when mm-hmm. they would run those quick traps that they – I remember last year they, they were running those quick traps early in the season. Then they just stopped doing them for whatever reason. They just stopped doing it. And, uh, but it, it, when they had this, those quick little power traps where the guard, the right guard is pulling to the – I mean, the left guard is pulling to the right side, trapping that defensive tackle, and you're just, and you're just getting right up in, into that hole and getting uh, north and south right real fast, those plays were working. And so then when they would go away from it, I just didn't understand – why they were doing that because when that defense was spread out like you said there were just natural gaps just in their alignment that you could exploit with the with the type of running uh that that uh that chris carson can do that uh carlos high can have like with the way that this offensive line works best and it just it just surprised me that from the week before where it looked so beautiful the connectedness was so beautiful and you thought like we even said in this call, like, if it's like that, then you can do whatever you want to do. You can run the ball if you need to for 120 mm-hmm. yards, or you can throw it for 150 yards because now you're pounding these dudes and you're taking, you're taking some of that, that, that speed and some of that, uh, uh, you know, just wanting to get after the quarterback. You slow that down. You slow that down with screens. You slow it down with those little swing passes they were throwing to Carson at the beginning of the game. And it just seems like they just got away from all of that. And that's the part that gets really, really frustrating because you have the makings of a really dynamic offense in the pass and the run. You have, you have the makings and the, and, and the, the, the people to make a defense have to decide like, man, which, which do we want to, which one, which is we're going to have to just live with uh, when we go into this game because we can't stop everything. And then they make it easy for the, uh, for the defense to take out a piece of it because they get really cute with the running game or they're not real sure what they're trying to get done with the running game or you're playing against a defense that gets after the quarterback and you open up the game with like six out of the first seven plays of passes. Mm-hmm. So you're giving them chances to, to kind of get into their rhythm and do what they like to do. And so then that, just, that was really confusing to me. And so I just hope that down the stretch, that like what you just said, the, that uh, that they get to these quick hitting plays, that they run the ball between the tackles with Chris Carson and Carlos coming downhill, working off of double teams, and and that's why I said last week those three interior linemen, the two guards in the center, are so important to the running run game because they they have to get that push in the middle. Well, if you run the sideline to sideline, they're not getting push in the middle. They're 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 going to have to be playing against better athletes that can run faster sideline to sideline than they can. So then you you lose what you gain by having these big physical bruising type of dudes. And so uh, I just hope that they can get back to that. And just, uh, and because I think they can, 
They can run everything they want to do. Russell can be everything that he wants to be. DK can be everything that he wants to be. Uh, you know, all of these, all the different weapons can do all they need to do if they just get get back to uh, getting downhill with the run game. And then in those games where you're playing against these pass rushers, make them earn the right to rush the passer. Don't just give them the right to, to rush the passer. Make them earn it. So you're going to have to get smacked in the face. You're going to get it driven into the ground. You're going to get all these double teams. We're going to be hitting you on the on the you know trying to cut your legs out from under you. We're we're doing all of this stuff, and you're going to have to earn the right to get the third down to rush the quarterback. And I, I don't think the Seahawks do that. I promise you guys, I don't care if you've played professionally before, you will always learn something new when you tune into the huddle and hear Ray Roberts talk with us. I, I love it. It's it's one of my favorite segments, and, and you can hear him uh, next week when he joins us again on the huddle. If you're not already following him, by the way, at Big Ray Roberts, and you can hear him on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show. Thanks, Ray. Thank you, guys. You guys have a good one. All right, uh, I got a little more information about the NFL's reinstatement of Josh Gordon. I'll get to that around the corner. We're also bringing on Steve Rabel. This is the Huddle. It's not this. This is what we do. Every Thursday from noon to 2, presented by Pickford Ford. The Huddle. Welcome back into the Huddle, presented by Bickford for Dave Wyman, Jay Keeps, and Stacey Ross. Joining us right now, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Rabes, it's been a phenomenal turnaround, a 180 for this pass rush. What do you make of it so far through the last couple weeks? Well, I think uh, we've talked about it before, Stace. I think uh, the, the new guys make the old guys better, and uh, the young guys make uh, – Everybody excited of what uh, is still to come in the future for this group. Uh, obviously, Carlos Dunlop has, has made such a huge difference coming off that corner, but it does make the job a little bit easier, too, when you're going to blitz a guy like uh, Jamal Adams or for uh, Rasheem Green coming from the other side. And then again, there's Benson Mayo. We haven't talked about him. And, oh, by the way, if you block all those guys, then, then here comes Puna right up the gut or Jaron Reed. So uh, I think they've really started to find their stride, and, and you can tell it really helps. And what I think is really amazing, and listen, I was not a defensive player, and some would argue I wasn't an offensive player either. But uh, Oh, you were offensive. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks, but Dave. the simple fact that to be able to stop the run the way the Seahawks have done and still be able to get pressure on the quarterback the way they've been able to do that, that, that to me just says a really good, solid play on your defensive side of the ball, and we're seeing more and more of that. You know, Rabes, you mentioned uh... – we talk about sacks and everything. Earl Thomas last year was the first year where he got a sack. So there's been some sort of uh, comparisons between like who is Jamal Adams uh, look like? Who who do you compare him to? Earl Thomas? Man, I don't think so, man. He is very unique, man. Watching him play the other day, I mean, we saw him playing like a linebacker, like a defensive end. I think he can cover. I keep talking about how I think he's going to get an interception here because he can cover. And uh, it, I just don't, there's nobody like him, Rabes. I mean, it, the energy, everything, the way he plays, it's he's truly a unique player. He, he really is. And and you know, we we in this business, uh, all of us, at times make the mistake of comparing right. everybody to somebody else. You know, who does he remind you of? Who does he look like? You know, we saw what that meant for <laughs> for DK Metcalf and yeah. uh, the other night, <laughs> uh, and and that was not something that uh, I'm sure <laughs> that that uh, they want to repeat uh, as, as DK just went off uh, on, uh, on Philadelphia. But, uh, you know, we, we talked about the Legion of Boom, and is this the second coming of the Legion of Boom? But they're such different 
they're such different A personalities, B physical specimens out there. And you're right, Jamal Adams. I mean, he's he's kind of he's kind of got the size that Cam did, but when you watch him and you see how fast he is, how fast he closes, um, you know, he's he's good in coverage. Uh, he he has a real nose for the football. Cam did too, and Cam would also rearrange dental work at the drop of a hat uh, in the way he hit people. So you know, and then and then Earl could fly around in the secondary. It's just a different group of people, and uh, I think that's one of the reasons that it's taken a while for this this whole defense to come together. Is all these disparate personalities and and skill levels, and a defense that a lot of these guys you know, hadn't played in before or were somewhat new to. Now it's all starting to come together, and it couldn't happen at a better time. Steve, you talk about DK Metcalf. How impressive has he been to you in his play, and more importantly, his continued development? I mean, he's doing things that uh, last year uh, he was struggling to do at the beginning of the year or didn't really get the opportunity to do, and it's really fun when you start to see coaches – give him the opportunity to do new things, and he answers the call every time. And he's now starting to run routes that only you know smaller guys do, and he's doing it at 6'4", 230 pounds. What, what, what has been so impressive to you about his play and his physical nature? Well, I, I know we talked about it earlier uh, in the season, and I, I said consistency in that he, he strives – to be a the best he can be certainly, but he's just been so consistent, and and uh, I would continue with that, but also Jake with the caveat that you you just brought up, and that is his how hard he works to be the total receiver. He doesn't want to just be that guy who runs straight down the sidelines. He wants to be the guy that you can depend on when you need eight yards and you run a slant right into the middle of the zone, and he's going to shield people off because he understands how to use his body to make the catch. I think there's just so many amazing things about what he's done, and he's only in his second year. I, I, you know, it's hard for me to even say this, but I'm sure a coach would say, you know, he he, and and he would say, you know, there are things I can still work on and I can get better. Holy smokes! I mean, get out of the way if you're the opposition. If this guy's going to continue to get better in his career, they, they don't have a chance. I, he's just he's just such a physical specimen to block, but but he's also. He, he understands, he's smart, he knows where to be for his quarterback. And you know as well as I do, Jake, if, if Russell trusts you, Russell believes that you're going to be where you're supposed to be, he'll get that ball to mm-hmm. you. And I don't think it's any, it's no accident that, uh, that DK has caught so many passes this year and, and so successfully for so many touchdowns. Now, the huddle is a safe space. Rabes, we all need to be honest with with each oh, other here. No, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, nothing bad here. But I, I gotta tell you guys that looking at this game, when we're talking about this four game stretch, this Giants team and Washington are two that I'm like sneaky nervous about. I think the Seahawks will win, but what kind of game are you expecting? Well, I, I sort of felt that way against uh, against the Eagles too, yeah. and and mostly because I'm looking at the defensive side of the ball, and the Giants remind me of the Eagles. Dave and I talked about this the other night on the broadcast, and I asked him, "Do you think the Giants' defense is as good as what we're seeing here uh, on Monday night in Philadelphia?" And I think we both agreed that probably not quite as good, especially the maybe the front seven. But it's a solid defense. They can bring pressure. Uh, they they are are. Are a pretty good group up front. Now they, you know, they've had some issues in the in the secondary at times. They've had some guys hurt, but you know, listen, uh, they. If you don't come prepared, uh, then you're going to have uh, you know a game that you didn't expect to have. 
you know Pete's going to have these guys prepared, especially offensively. Um, the thing about Washington is, you know, that's the last big East Coast trip. And, and again, another one of those 10 o'clock starts uh, for our West Coast guys. Uh, and both these teams are having issues at quarterback. Whenever you have a quarterback that you're not really completely sold on or sure of or believe that can really handle everything that you need done, your, your defense has an advantage, and I'm talking about the Seahawks. So I, 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 feel, I feel more confident about the Giants simply because Colt McCoy has been around a long time. I don't expect Daniel Jones to play. The following week, Alex Smith is a solid veteran quarterback, but he hasn't played in two years except for the last few couple weeks. So, you know, yes, they're both games that could you go in and lose? Absolutely, on any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. But do you expect that, that the Seahawks will be prepared to win these two games? Yes, absolutely. He is the Seahawks play-by-play man, Steve Rabel. Rabes, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time today. All right, guys. Thank you. All right. You guys, K.J. Wright is the Seahawks 2020 Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award nominee. He's also, and Dave, I know you're going to chime in here, having a fantastic season. We're going to uh, talk with him next. Yeah, he's really good. (laughs) This is The Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We're going to be joined here in just a bit by Seahawks linebacker K.J. Wright, longest-tenured Seahawk on this team. And, Dave, I'll start with you. i got to say, it, it's not just like a getting better with age thing. It's that age hasn't really slowed him. He had a fantastic year last year, a career high in tackles with 132. He's got 59 this year, an interception, uh, has played in all 11 games. What have you made of his 2020 so far? It's been fantastic, and it's just, um, you know, usually age works against every player on on the team except for the quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's been like a quarterback, the way he's gotten just better and better. And and the physical part of it, you know, just uh, it has not slowed down. You know, I've been watching KJ since the combine, since his combine. And I, I remember watching him out of Mississippi State run and thinking, that is an unusual linebacker right there. I mean, he had such – he didn't look like he was fast, but he was covering a ton of ground. He's got long legs and long arms and everything, but he's just really good and tough at the point of attack. And that's the thing I think – over the last couple of years, he I thought he was the best player on their defense last year, and and same this year, really. I mean, he's made so many plays and done, and it's not just the open field tackle of, you know, Kyler Murray. It's setting the edge and doing a really good job. And now they have him kind of playing more like an outside linebacker up on the line of scrimmage. He's really physical, takes good care of the perimeter, he attacks blocks, he does all of those little things that you need to do. And um, and just to me, if you were to go through and grade every player which i haven't but just from you know going off of what i've seen and what i i think it he would get the highest grade yeah kj Wright, dave and stacy has been so impressive to me in terms of the way that he also has been able to change his role a little bit and to be more flexible uh, in terms of where they place him as well for a long time he was just a stalwart at 
you're, he's going to be the will linebacker right next to Bobby Wagner. They've moved him to Sam linebacker. He still plays will linebacker as well, but he, he's also added a little bit more uh, to his game in terms of the pass rush and being asked to do that more. I mean, just everything that this defense, Ken Norton Jr. and Pete Carroll have asked him to do this season that's outside of not necessarily his comfort zone or just his normal roles and responsibilities, he's risen to that challenge. Yeah, one of the things, too, let's talk about that pass rush in general. We've talked about Carlos Dunlap, his impact on it, Jamal Adams, his impact on it. And and we can stretch this to the linebackers in general. But when you look at both Bobby and KJ, uh, both Dave and Jake, what has their impact been like, too? How have they also uh, kind of, you know, spawned this kind of revamp of the pass rush? Yeah, Bobby, I think, is maybe the best inside linebacker as far as rushing the passer. He's really good. He He just has creative moves he's quick um uh, to me i i think that's that's something that he's probably best at but and you look at the pass rush now that's now what 22 yeah. uh sacks in the last five weeks i believe so yeah they they're just they they have really uh revamped their their pass uh their pass rush and you know jamal adams obviously a huge part of that jake and you know, he's just like nobody else. But, um, but yeah, the way they're using KJ, I, I, you pointed that out. I I feel like his body type is good for Sam. But, look, he can play Will. I bet you he likes Will a little bit better. Will is more like you get, you're sort of a free. A lot of times they don't count for you in the running game as far as blocking. You know, you get to do that. But he's so good at playing Sam, and he does a great job getting to those outs, outside zones in his pass drops. So, yeah, he's just he just gets better and better. It doesn't occur to me when I'm watching KJ – what year he is in. Not at all. No. Um, So speaking of KJ Wright, we're going to let the Seahawks wrap up practice here and bring him on with us next. This is the Huddle. This is the Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Play fake, Seattle blitzes. Carson steps up and he goes down. KJ Wright gets there. Jamal Adams was there as well. But a host of Seahawks will see who gets credit for the sack. Nobody cares on the Seahawks who gets credit. They just want to put Carson Wentz on his wallet, and they did. And K.J. Wright is the man they give the sack to. That's one, two, three, four, five sacks for the Seahawks tonight. Now they ended up with six that day. K.J. Wright getting credited with one of those. He's had a phenomenal season, and he will be joining us in just a moment here. Seahawks are wrapping up practice and getting off the field. Before we get to him, though, I did promise you guys. This is the huddle, by the way. Dave yeah. Wyman, Jake oh, Eves, Stacey Ross. No, the huddle presented by Bickford <laughs> Ford. We're back. Um, I did promise you guys uh, an update on Josh Gordon. We didn't have a chance to get to it, so I'll just give you that right now before we jump into KJ's interview. So uh, this is from Tom Pelissero. It's just a bit more information on how Josh Gordon's reinstatement is going to work. So uh, he has officially been reinstated. Uh, That was announced today by Roger Goodell. He can begin COVID testing tomorrow. And then he can join the club next Wednesday on December 9th, assuming that he tests negative. So what that means is that he can attend team meetings, uh, individual one-on-one meetings with coaches. He can engage in individual workouts and strength training, but he cannot practice. He cannot travel with the team and he cannot attend games until Monday, December 21st. So there's going to be a stretch here between the 9th, uh, assuming he, you know, test negative when he kind of joins the team and and kind of uh, acclimates to everything that's happening. And then Monday, December 21st is when he will be eligible to participate in practice. And that's when we're going to jump right back into that conversation about what that offense is going to look like. So 
bit of an update there with Josh Gordon coming back. Guys, I got to be honest, I I had kind of given up on it. Yeah. Yeah, same. I mean, you just every I mean, we, we would have somebody text in almost every day during Clayton's uh, half yeah. hour. You know, what's the news on Josh Gordon? Just didn't know. It, I don't understand, you know, why it was secretive and why there was no any, you know, no kind of update or anything, but really pulling for the kid. I mean, and, and it's been a tough time right now, you know, especially um, for for people who have that affliction, you know, with the lockdowns and everything and being isolated and alone and everything. So wish him the best, of course. And, and he is a really fantastic football player. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's cool that they're going to get a chance, and I just, I just feel like Jake, if he's going to thrive anywhere, it's going to be here uh, over any of the other thirty-one teams. Absolutely, and it's also the reason why he made no bones about that very same situation, uh, Dave and Stacy, that he wanted to be here. He loved his time here. He wanted to be here. He uh, loved the Pacific Northwest. He loved that organization, and. He didn't even think about going to any other team when it came time to potentially seeking you know, uh, other opportunities. And, and so I, I think that uh, it speaks volumes to you know Josh's desire to be back here. Um, we'll see how it turns out. And you know the, the thing that you have to you know think about all of this with Josh is that he can play a role that you're not going to have to rely on, but that he can make an impact for you. And what it, what he can do, I mean, we saw it last year. Yes, that, that over-the-top post route was a beautiful catch that he made, but also the slants in critical situations yeah. on third down, on fourth down, and just a big-bodied natural receiver who can just – he just has natural hands. And, and uh, they, they have, along with David Moore, now you add this – you know, you add this dynamic third, fourth receiver to the mix – it really makes it difficult for defenses to cover the entire field. It really puts a stretch on them. Now joining us right now, a longtime Seahawks veteran linebacker K.J. Wright, who, by the way, is the Seahawks' 2020 Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award nominee. K.J., before we even start talking about your fantastic play on the field this year, we wanted to congratulate you about that because you've meant so much to the community and this organization. How did it feel getting that news? You know what? I just I just found out about that like right before I came and I walked through. I found really? out on Instagram. <laughs> I like like I just I found out on Instagram. But but thank you. I'm 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 honored. They nominated me last year. Yeah. And um but uh, I need to win this thing this year. Yeah. Well, the way you're playing on the field, KJ, certainly uh, would dictate it. I know it's for other things, leadership and things like that, but uh, every week you, you give me a new favorite play, and the one last week was the tackle that you made with the stiff arm. Why does the offense get to jam their hand into your face mask? I don't know, and it's okay. Yeah, that. it, that's okay. That was pretty clear. Like The dude had his hand all in my grill, and yeah. nothing happens. But let me get a, a fingertip on somebody's face mask. <laughs> and you get, yeah, and you get penalized but i i thought that was a really good tackle i mean that's that's difficult and you just latched onto him spider-man right there brought him down it was it was a beautiful thing loved it yeah yeah hey, so, um, yeah big time tackle we we i'm telling you we preach tackling every week the art of it it's, it's definitely an art yeah. and um just made a really good play and um you know stopped him kj i got a suggestion for you bro just listen to me here in terms of going and winning the art rooney this year 
the Art Rooney Award, maybe you need to do something like uh, more uh, complimentary. Like when you give out it, when you when you tackle somebody, you give them like some of those those special mints that you leave at that that, that hotels leave for people on their pillows or you know something. <laughs> so you, you're just you're talking about bribery, extra, Jake. You're asking him to bribe. Just more sportsmanship. No, no, no. Just that you know, extra effort of sportsmanship. You know what I'm saying? I, I love that idea. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to talk more about it. But I love that. I'm trying. I'm really trying to win okay, this thing. All right. I may have to pull that. Out. I may I, have to pull that out. I, I've been thinking on some things, KJ, so we can <laughs> talk after know. the show, after practice. Just hit me up. I, I got some thoughts for you. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Appreciate that. Hey, KJ, a bit of a weird question here. You and I talked a while ago about the idea of turning 30 and just in or outside of football, whatever your job is, just kind of what happens to you, your identity, whatever, when you reach that new decade, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever. And you said something really interesting, which is you wished that you could talk to GMs in the league and kind of question some of those preconceived notions about uh, when player drop-off truly occurs. And what's been awesome is that we did that interview, I think, a year ago. And to be completely honest, it feels like you've only gotten better. And it's been so rewarding to watch that actually happen. I mean, how do you feel, but then just kind of reflect on that growth even in the past year? Yeah, you know, I'm telling you, like I said last time we talked, it's, when you hit 30, it's more like people look at you differently mm-hmm. than you know, how you actually feel about yourself. And I'm telling you, like, every year, I, I truly believe every year I get better. And um, here I am at 31 still, you know, playing really well. And my instincts keep getting sharper. My knowledge of the game keep getting sharper. And um, obviously, when the speed starts to diminish, you got to find ways to keep making plays. And so... You just got to just film study got to be on point, taking care of your body got to be on point. So when you get there on the field, you know, everything looks normal. I'd kill to be 30. I don't want to hear you guys complaining Let about 30. Let us complain for a little yeah. bit. It was <laughs> We were having a bit of, not an identity crisis. Yeah. We were just talking about, it, it, all of a sudden in, in the NFL, you're like, wait, I'm young in the real yeah. world, but suddenly people are looking at me like, well, you, what you tell them, KJ, you tell them you, you hope you get to 38 and be in this league still. I mean, that's hard to do, right? I'm telling you, GMs, I I think they know, but they got to understand the value of that that presence in the locker room. Because when you reach this age, you have so much experience, so much knowledge that you can share actually on the football field. Because I've seen tons and tons of situations that has happened in the NFL. And once you can spread that message on the football field, that's stuff stuff that people don't notice, but that is like winning football. And so... I think they know, but I feel like more. I feel like more of the outside world should know stuff like that. Yeah. KJ, talking about that experience and that knowledge and uh, just the overall experience that you bring to the table, how has that role been for you in terms of this year? It's been such a unique year, and I know this is no no surprise that you hear this stat or anything like that because it's been a talk all around town. Is you know this defense at one point in time was on a historic pace and not in a positive way how do you weather the storm and and use your leadership and your presence and your knowledge of what this defense can truly be and what it's supposed to be to help just kind of calm the storm and get everybody doing their job man that's a very good question but it's a few things that go into that first off is just trust in the process like we just we did it. We was consistent in everything we did. And Coach Carroll, he was the ring leader as far as just making sure we stayed positive. But actually, guys, let's address what's going on. Let's let's watch the film and let's see how our teams are just throwing the ball over our heads. And let's just put a stop to it and let's address it. 
And, um, you know, even when we have our players-only meeting, guys, the players only mean this is what we got to get done let's address what's going on let's not pretend like it doesn't exist let's get it fixed and the talent you know all the talent is there all the talent has been there all season it's the same guys but you see when guys just start being accountable when people address things things get fixed and so man i I knew that it was going to happen because people were saying you guys are a really bad defense i know that we weren't a bad defense it's just we weren't doing the little things right and we get on the details Really good stuff happened. So we just getting started. We got another opponent that we got to make sure we do it again. Yeah, you know, KJ, I thought that the two things that that stood out to me, and look, I don't, I don't know the calls, I don't know the rules, everything. I just, mm-hmm. you know, played a long time ago back when we had leather helmets. But it just looks like, you know, things, the little things you talked about, taking care of the edge, right, the perimeter, turning things back in, and then, you know, the drops, getting underneath, you know, the – you know, some of the you're not that you're not that far away when you do those kinds of things. And it, it's shown, I think, since the second half of the L.A. Ram game, what well, you guys gave up 115 and six points in the second half there. You hold uh, Arizona, who was getting, what, four and a quarter. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really turned around pretty drastically. And maybe people don't aren't recognizing that. I'm telling you, it's, uh, like you said, it's just doing the little things right. Like back back in our, like when I was coming up, second, third year, force the ball to the kill zone. <laughs> Keep everything on top, but force the ball to the kill zone. Let's just get back to the basics, get back to the fundamentals, because you have all this talent and just, but if you're not if you're not putting your talent to use, as far as doing the little things right, it's it's, it's useless. And so I'm glad we figured it out. Guys been playing really well together. I was telling the guys. um Arizona and San Fran was our best communicating games, and this week we did the same thing. So just communicate, say what you see. Let's just play really good ball. Hey, did you say force it back to the kill zone? Is that what you said? Kill zone. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love. See, I used to tell my high school linebackers or the outside guys, I'd say, I would say, turn it back inside to the bad people. This is where all the bad people are. But I, I like what you, what you said there. Turn it back to the kill zone. I already can tell we have too many linebackers right now. We got too many linebackers. One too many. All right. KJ, congratulations on the nomination and congratulations on your season. You've been really, really fun to watch this year, and we enjoy, uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, all right. You guys, he is. Uh, gotta love KJ. Uh, when C. Rodge played the highlight coming in where uh, KJ got the sack, I didn't realize that I was like, get him! In the background. Oh yeah, that's what you were laughing at. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't Play remember. Seattle blitzes. Get it. Carson steps up and he. What an idiot. Play that one more time. Play it one more time. Play fake. Seattle blitzes. Get it. Carson steps up and he goes down. He got him. He listened. He, got to him. That, he listened. He, did. To he was. Dave. He was listening. I got to shut up. See, the reason why I love that so much is. A, it's okay because it's the Seahawk broadcast, so you you don't need to pretend about you know being professional uh, you know, down the middle, <laughs> professional. Yeah, but the, the, my my favorite part about that is you just can't help it. Like I've tried to be in the press box before, Dave, uh, uh-huh. in games, and I can't handle it whatsoever. I like I I'm not built for that. You have to. You have to act like you, you know, aren't cheering for yeah, one side right. or the other, and 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 this and that. And I'm always end up cheering at some mm-hmm. point, but uh, it's the competitor in you. You just you can't yeah. help it. You know what it is too. It's KJ Wright has been with this team long enough that you. It feels like a more not a personal relationship, but you yeah. you like success for him in a way that feels just rewarding for the entire team. Yeah, in a weird way. it's almost like you're a part of it, yeah, right? I, yeah. Like, I feel like I'm – because I don't know why. It was just by chance that 
I happened to be watching the combine <laughs> when he was working out, <laughs> and, and that was back in two thousand. Wow, so that must have been such a. I guess two thousand eleven, oh. maybe he came in in eleven. So yeah, and I was just like, "Dang, look at that guy! He can really run. I mean, he can and then really now cover." Here we are. And then you know they end up drafting him. Do you know that he started at middle linebacker his first game his rookie year? He was not a middle linebacker. I can't remember. It was David Hawthorne maybe got hurt, and so they moved him in. Why? Because he's so smart. He he knew, and this is back when he was a rookie. So I mean, this is kind of like on the on the level of Damian Lewis starting at center. Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite, just because you're not touching the ball and hiking it and everything, but hiking it, snapping it. But the trust that your team puts in you, knowing like yeah. this guy has a little more that he's bringing. Well, middle linebackers, you know, it's right. You're kind of the quarterback of the defense. So and that they put him in there. So and so now he's officially started at all three spots, and uh, yeah, just watching him get better and better, and he's had. Pretty good success with health, keeping his body right and everything. And I just, you know, I've just seen him do all of the things that they need to get done. And and one of them, and I'll just recap, they're talking about dropping underneath the the receivers. You know, when you're a zone dropper underneath, you're supposed to get 12, 15 yards, but you're, you're supposed to kind of work towards the receiver where he is. You don't stare him down. But, you, you know, you look at where, get a glance of where he is. And the first play of the Miami game, he didn't quite get to the outside guy. And he I remember he turned to Trey Flowers and patted his chest like, that was on me. That was on me. The next, like, four times, and that was that game where he got three knockdowns. And one almost of them. Almost three. Pay- I mean, it was almost, close. Yeah. The first one, and but that was exactly what he did. He he corrected his mistake, went, ran underneath. And plus, it's hard. It's hard to even execute that, even if you know what, what you're doing. But so, yeah, I mean, that's where, and then you see him taking care of the edge, not letting anybody get outside of him, turning it back to the kill zone, as he said. So, I mean, those are the things that you see, and you see the leadership. And so when you have a guy like that who's been on the team for 10 years and, you know, he's doing it and he's doing all the little things, everybody else is going to follow. All right, there is some sound I want you guys to hear from Joe Judge, plus the blueprint for beating New York. I want to say so far I'm two for two. I'm really good at these blueprints. We'll get to that (laughs) next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle, presented by Bickford Ford, every Thursday from noon to 2 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Now, a bit of sound that I want to get to. You guys, we started the show looking back at the Seahawks' performance over the, uh, in their win over the Eagles, and I can't believe I didn't mention DK Metcalf's day. 177 yards on 10 catches a phenomenal performance almost had a touchdown to add to that total too. uh cut number nine here here's what joe judge had to say about metcalf well you've got to find the best guy on your team who can at least kind of simulate some of the size but it's listen th- this guy's a rare guy i mean to try to simulate his size and speed and playmaking down the field you know you don't have a lot of guys walking the earth like him so the reality is you know you have to do everything you can to give your players the right looks from tape the right looks in practice and scout teams We've got to work to service each other the best possible. But, look, we all understand this guy's a tremendous player. He's an elite player in the league. Uh, we can't do anything to just flat-out replicate it, so we have to do the best we can in practice. Jake, I'll start with you since you know DK and you've been watching his season closely. Uh, what kind of game are you expecting for him, not just this week, but kind of in this stretch? I mean, it's a nice opportunity for him. It is a nice opportunity for him. I, I continue to 
believe that he's going to have a good game uh, in a good stretch of games here. Uh, he has proven, really proven himself, regardless of the talent on the other side, it doesn't matter. It's more of you got to deal with DK Metcalf than you do have to worry about the matchup itself. And James Bradbury is, is another really good corner in this league. He got paid big-time money. Um, he is better size-wise than what Darius Slay was. Darius Slay is a little more undersized. Uh, James Bradbury is a little bit bigger, uh, but still, DK is is bigger, stronger, faster than James Bradbury, and and I think that DK is going to have another really nice game for himself. It's not a corner; it's a corner that you have to respect, but definitely not fear. And and I think that that has been a huge change for this team because there's been games where you walk into them, even with you know Doug Baldwin. Um, where you would sit there and say, well, maybe your number one receiver might be down this week, and, and th- that is no longer the case when you have a guy like D.K. Metcalf. Is this my blueprint, Tom? Or are we talking about D.K.? Because if anybody's going to have a game, it's going to be Tyler Lockett. Really? Yes. Oh, Don't okay. sleep on Tyler Lockett. Right. Yeah, I mean, definitely I'm not. Sli- not. I, I, Tyler Lockett, yes. I guess I just, it, it is... Maybe it's a, a recency thing, but with what DK has been able to do, it's hard not to think like this guy's just going to constantly go off. Why are you yeah. expecting this specifically to be game for Tyler? Because it's just been too long. Uh, I mean, it's not like he hasn't had some good games. I mean, in the loss at the Rams, he had 66 yards, and you know he had uh, 67 yards and a touchdown against Arizona. That toe drag, of course, you know he's gonna he's gonna make that catch. Only three, uh, four targets last week, three catches for. 23 yards so just those guys kind of complement each other and they sort of go back and forth every once I want to say it was like the first three or four they were both having good games but then it was like they went either or yeah like pick your poison yeah every week when Lockett had his 200 yards down in Arizona I think DK had like 30 or something like that but he had the big time play and the big time block where he runs down Buda Baker and then springs Carlos Hyde for a touchdown so but um but yeah, it's uh, it seems like it's it goes back and forth. But I, I think Tyler Lockett's due. Uh, I, he's just too good, you know. And we were talking yesterday about we're getting to kind of Pro Bowl time of year, you know. And who are the Pro Bowls, mm-hmm. Pro Bowlers? And you know, on offense, is it does Dwayne Brown make it? You know, you, you'd like to think so. But then you know, there's Russ, um, and and there's DK. But but what about Tyler? Yeah, yeah. And, and Dave, just to you know further go along with what you're saying about this particular week. I do believe that Tyler's going to have a, a big game this week as well. I, I do think that DK will continue to have great production as well. Uh, so I think this could be a monster game for the Seahawks. But with Tyler, in specifically with the way the Giants play, they are a heavy zone team. They are not a, a, a big-time man-to-man team that's not really in their nature. That's where DK really thrives is in the man-to-man coverage. Um and so when you when you have a team that's going to play more zone coverage against you, Tyler's the guy that really Russ uh, tends to find quite a bit in those zone coverages. And so I think that I think that Tyler, uh, as much as uh, as much as Dave thinks, uh, is going to have have a pretty solid game this week. Now let's talk a bit about these blueprints to beating the New York Giants. I don't want to brag, you guys, of the three of us. Uh, I am two for two in our last two huddles, uh, coming up with my blueprint of step one: score more points. Um, and that being kind of the That's core principle, thank you, thank brilliant. you of my blueprint. I don't remember there being a blueprint thing. You just made this up. And I you did not, back. Dave. No, I, I have been very good with this. What, what's your blueprint for beating the New York Giants? I'm going to go with turnover ratio, just because they've not gotten the takeaways lately. Um, you know, plus one. That, there was just the one turnover in that game, yeah. which was Quandre Diggs 
a perfectly thrown pass <laughs> right to him from Carson Wentz. We asked him about that yesterday. Like, were you surprised? Like, yeah, it kind of was. I honestly, I thought it was an Eagles player, not yeah. because I got the jersey confused or anything. I just was like, there's no way he right. has to just be a wide open receiver. Exactly. Well, and then he was talking about uh, how he was going to return it 102, and while we were talking to him, Bobby Wagner went by and said, "Yeah, you can't run 102 yards or something <laughs> like that." But um, but yeah, so there was just that one plus one zero uh, was the turnover ratio against Arizona, and then the Rams minus two and Buffalo minus four, and then you go back to their other loss, Arizona. They were minus one, so they, you know, they're now kind of down, sort of middle of the pack. You know, they're right there where the Giants are as far as turnover ratio goes, and and that's something that you know. And we talk about blowing teams out, and you know how the Seahawks are always kind of their opponents always kind of in every game. But if you go back and look at the teams that, you know, 2012, remember that streak where they beat Buffalo like 51 to nothing, mm-hmm. they beat Arizona 58 to 7 or whatever. Yeah, and then they beat um, the the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, that was those years where they were like plus 15, plus 20 in turnover ratio. That's how you blow teams out. And right now, just the way they've been playing, I think early on they sort of lived off the takeaways and now you know, they need to get back to that. They're doing all the little things, so I think that's going to come around. We talked to KJ about, you know, making sure you turn everything back in, getting your zone drops, all that stuff. That's when things start happening. So I feel like they're going to go on a on a string of, you know, takeaways here, and that's going to be the blueprint to beating the Giants. The Giants don't – I mean, there's really nothing that they do that's great. You know, uh, they're not horrible – you know, they're not like the Jets as far as their record or anything goes. They've had some injuries, you know, to key players. But, you know, I just think in order to put them away, you're going to have to take the ball away. Jake? Well, Dave, to, to ensure that that happens, you're going to have to stop the run game for the Giants. And I don't foresee that being a problem for the Seahawks whatsoever. It's the one thing that the Giants do offensively that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> they are middle of the pack. Uh, they rush for over, they average over 100 yards, uh, 113 to be exact uh, per game. But that's the area that they have to limit the Giants. That's the one thing that they're wanting to do. And if you want to, you know, feast on Daniel Jones' mistakes or Colt McCoy mistakes, who is most likely going to be out there, you need to, force them into being one-dimensional and get them into those third and long situations. So stopping the run is going to be key to fulfilling Dave's uh, blueprint. And then on the offensive side of the ball, guys, stick to who you are. Stick to what you do best. And don't don't sit there and, and try and force the issue with the run game. Let it come to you naturally. And, and what I mean by that is let let the opportunities present themselves. Get yourself into the right positions and and capitalize from there. Last week, I felt that they tried to really establish that run game early on um, and throughout the entire game. That's not necessarily their makeup. That doesn't mean that they're not going to be effective in the run game. That doesn't mean they rush. For, they don't rush for over 150 yards. But I mean, in the style in which they go about it, I think that that's going to be crucial for them to really recapture that. This has been The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. It's been a fun one. We're all excited coming out of this Eagles game and heading into the Seahawks game against the New York Giants. Uh, we'll continue plenty of previews all week on 710 ESPN Seattle. Until then, though, this has been The Huddle.